0: So, the next session is, go, uh, is entitled, uh, is an artist talk entitled Materiality, Storytelling, and Grand Narratives in Contemporary African Art. Um, and joining us are, is Dexter Wimberly in conversation with Billy Zandua. Uh, Dexter is an independent curator based in New York, a passionate collector and supporter of the arts. Uh, Wimberly has exhibited the work of hundreds of artists in the US and abroad. Uh, Wimberley maintains a dialogue of artists throughout the world by way of exhibitions, public programs, um, as well as um, talks at galleries and public art spaces. He currently serves on the board of the Laundromat Project. Um, uh, born in Malawi, uh, Billy lives and works in Johannesburg. Her textile works have been shown around the world, including the Manila Collection in Houston, Texas, the Stedelijk Museum Amsterdam, uh, JAG in Johannesburg, and uh, Limazon Road in Paris. Uh, most recently, she exhibited at the Guggenheim Bilbao, uh, Vials in Brussels, and the Studio Museum in Harlem. Uh, she has also exhibited at the 7th Dakar Biennial, where she was awarded a residency with the Air Antwerpen. Uh, Billy is also the first recipient of the Absa Al Atelier um, Gerard Sokoto Award in 2005. So um, please welcome our uh, next uh, conversants.
1: Hello. So many things uh, to say at first. So, well, first and foremost, thank you all for being here today. Um, I mentioned this yesterday that, uh, you know, it's been kind, of, kind of rainy, and I know getting out the Red Hook is not the easiest thing in the world. So congratulations to all of you for making it here. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to say is um, a, a great thank you to Toria and all of the staff at 154. Um, they've given me... Um, quite a few opportunities now to do this. You know, I love talking with artists. I do all sorts of studio visits every place I go, and whenever I have an opportunity to engage with an artist and dialogue with them, I feel very rewarded and very fulfilled with that. So thank you, Toria, and thank you everyone at 154. Um, today's talk is entitled Materiality, Storytelling, and Grand Narratives um, in Contemporary African Art. Um, the the reason I came up with that title is because I I was looking at Billy's work and and thinking about um, how she um, sort of uses her work as a means of, um, of expressing quite a few things that are both personal and then some things that are, are quite universal. Um, you have a very, very interesting background. Um, we just heard your bio, so I won't reiterate that. But what I will say is that we have some things in common, and maybe we'll start there. Um, before I became a curator, I actually ran an advertising agency for 13 years. And I know that you have a background in graphic design and advertising, you were sort of in a different world before you were in the art world. So why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us about what you were doing before you were a visual artist and, how, and what led you to becoming a visual artist?
2: Um, well, before I was a visual artist, I was basically just trying to be an independent young woman, you know, live in my own place and pay the bills. So I started out working in fashion retail and I worked for Diesel, the Italian brand. And um, I don't know what it was, but I just found that I understood fashion and fashion retail and the brand was also exciting and I enjoyed the marketing um, that Renzo Rosso um, does around his brand. I think it's very creative and exciting. And um, because I had this understanding of the brand, I did very, very well and I ended up being a marketing manager of the brand. But then I got a little bit bored, (laughs) and I moved on into advertising, and I was an art buyer for a TBWA uh, agency working on a South African clothing brand. And I was a part-time model (laughs) as well, and I was also a singer, and my stage name was Billy Starr. So, you know, I was doing a lot of things and it was just about being young and experimenting. And it was about being independent and being able to pay the bills for myself. Because at that time, I already wanted to be an artist, but I just couldn't find my way. I didn't know how to do it. And uh, eventually, you know, all that experience that I had in fashion and advertising actually gave me a way into the art world.
1: So and you know something else that um, was quite interesting to me is how you sort of segue. You you were making other objects before you were making the works that you've kind of become known for. And we'll start a slideshow here where you can see some of Billy's recent works. I'm not sure what the time span is on the works that uh, you shared with me that we'll be seeing here. But um, could we talk? You know, part of this this title of this talk is about materiality. So let's talk material. Um, what do you use to make? Um, these particular works that we're seeing here. And also, can you tell us a little bit about the objects you were making before you were making these works?
2: Um, when I wasn't really sure you know, what I was going to do creatively, I hadn't found my voice, my language. I was making um, little clutch bags, handbags, with um, embroideries of plants and animals. I was living in Botswana at the time, and for me, nature was such a big thing there. You know, it wasn't like an urban environment, which is more about um, buildings and fire escapes. This was more about acacia trees, exotic birds and insects. So that was really the experience that I was depicting on my handbags but I was also expressing my love for fashion and accessories and um, that's where I really started using silk that somebody had given me it was um, vintage silk that I just recycled and started with that and then eventually I was visiting some interior design stores and I came across Dupion silk and I got some little swatches and started putting those together and eventually that just became the collage works that you see here where I use the Dupion silk.
1: And um, I've seen quite a bit of your work and I noticed that, um, well, some of of the pieces seem to be a bit autobiographical in some ways, right? But then I also, I noticed that there are uh, figures or characters that are are appearing that aren't necessarily you, um, but there tend to be a lot of women in your work as well. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well I guess in a way it is autobiographical and that's why the protagonist is always a woman because in essence it's me but I'm also speaking about um, life experience from the female perspective because it's something that I have first hand experience in. Um, Lately, there have been more figures coming in, but really what's happening is that since I had my son, I have so much more of an awareness of family and ancestry and lineage and DNA, so, and some of the shared experiences that families have. Uh, like the one piece downstairs, which, is called, which has two titles, it's called Mood Indigo and We Mourn Our Loss. It's more about um, the family losing a patriarch and how in Sotho culture, which is my mother's um, heritage, the women come together and they do the grieving for any loss uh, in the family.
1: Um, you mentioned earlier that you used to sing under the uh, the name Billy Star. I'm not about to ask you to sing, so don't <laughs> you worry about that. Um, but uh, what I am interested in is how the things that we do earlier in our lives or maybe earlier in our careers really have a way of influencing our, 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 our kind of present, in some ways, our future. So, you know... That's in your bio, so it's not a big secret, so I'll let you out, Let you know a little secret. I used to be a rapper when I was young, right? And I was in a recording group, and we made hundreds of songs and performed, and I'll be damned if I will rap for anybody, so I would never ask you to sing. <laughs> but, um, but I do know that that musical past that I had, uh, it stays with you, you know? And, and everything that I do, I think I, think I still approach things anything that I'm writing is if I'm writing a song it's a, it's a, it's a strange thing but when I when I really think about it I believe that that's true how how did that musical past play its sort of play a role into your artistic work
2: Um, Well, firstly, the most obvious one, and I'm not really thinking about it, it's subconscious, but a lot of my titles are based on songs. Um, Like the piece Angel is based on a hip hop track, actually. Um, I don't remember who the artist is, but I just love that song. I think it's just so beautiful and evocative. And when I was depicting my father as an angel, that just came to mind for me. And then um, there's also a piece called uh, Ma Vie en Rose, which is based on uh, La Vie en Rose. And uh, so I guess, you know, I'm always making references to um, popular culture music. But also I find that when I'm working on a piece, there's a definite rhythm. So I know that my eye and my hand has to move in certain areas in a particular sequence for it to actually come together as something cohesive.
1: You know, there's, there's obviously a, a strong um, connection to fashion and, and your work and your, and your person. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Were well, you voted the most stylish person in South Africa in 2004, <laughs> something along those lines. Right.
2: Yes, yes I was. And um, up to that point, I used to have a lot of fun with fashion because for me, um, it's about fantasy. And that's what initially attracted me to fashion when I was a child, is that it's kind of like you can escape through like clothing and garments and just expressing yourself. And I really enjoyed that. And when I was older and working in fashion and you know being Billy Star and being a part-time model, it was very very exciting and then i was recognized as south africa's most stylish person and unfortunately was downhill from there <laughs> because in a way having such a title actually took the fun away from it you know for me and also because people would then look at me like i have to look fabulous all the time so the pressure was too much but i think you know i'm i'm coming back to that again you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but but I do know that you know there's obviously you know look if you go to any opening any any big uh, museum opening or gallery opening everyone you know is trying to put their best foot forward in terms of how they look. I mean, some people maybe more than others of course but um there's also a certain amount of like criticism that can come along with um you know trying to marry fashion and and fine art there are some people that believe that those are two different worlds and certainly might think that there's too much sort of a lightness or or frivolousness sort of to fashion as as it relates to um fine art quote unquote i mean has that ever created any sort of conflict or problems for you
2: um, yes, it did initially, but I think part of the problem is that when people hear the word fashion, they immediately think of superficiality. But I think if you look at us as a species and um, our kind of traditions and and you know the fact that we all wear clothing, and that we all have some kind of memories attached to some kind of textile. I always think like when I see sheets hanging on a line, it always reminds me of when I was a kid and we used to go running in between the sheets and we'd like create shadows. And stuff, and I think that's like a memory that's universal for all of us, and um, it connects us. And that's related to textile. So for me, the fashion part is not so much the look at me, I'm so fabulous. It's more about how it's part of us as you know, as humans, and um, you know, despite our cultures, that that just connects us is textile.
1: And and speaking of culture, so you, you were born in Malawi. Um, raised in Botswana, and currently living in Johannesburg. And how have those three locations um, impacted your work and your life, sort of, what, what are you drawing from from those three places?
2: Well, I would have to say that um, very, very different things. I think probably um, my early life in Malawi, which is a country that's, you know, that's so beautiful and um, it's all about the nature. Everything is organic, really. You know, here in in the urban setting, we're always talking about buying organic, but really everything in Malawi is organic. So I think that's given me my obsession with nature because in some of my work, I'm kind of always, like, looking at nature.
1: This is called the constant gardener, correct? Yes, exactly,
2: yeah. (laughs) So, So there's a yearning for me to go back to that pastoral place because I have peaceful memories, memories of being in touch with nature and uh, finding healing through nature. Um, Botswana was, I guess for me, more about um, mixed cultures um, because I grew up there in a very multicultural environment. And I suppose in a way, that's where my visual language was shaped so that it's not so much Malawian or South African, but it's more kind of a universal um, language that I use. So it's not specific to being Malawian as such. And uh, the South African part for me is definitely like uh buildings the the urban setting because I always grew up in very um kind of, um, what do you call those environments with houses and gardens? <laughs> yes. Suburban? So, yes, yeah, suburban. So, you know, there was always space. So when I went into the cityscape and discovered asphalts and, and glass it was, and uh, fire escapes, it was really, really exciting for me. And in a way, it kind of started the textiles because I was looking at the glass and uh, it reminded me of the silk and how it reflects light and how it plays with it.
1: And and speaking of influences, I find that oftentimes when we when we sort of uh, we talk to artists who we're identifying in a particular category whether they are you know Italian artists or African American artists or artists from Botswana or Malawi or you name it there's a tendency to sort of um, you know think that their influences to think we know what their influences are so to speak right but I'd love to hear about other influences off of the continent outside of you know Malawi Botswana South Africa Nigeria you know because I know that from our earlier conversations you had even considered leaving and, and moving to uh, Italy, is that correct?
2: Um, yes, I've considered living in Italy and Paris and Japan. I don't know, I just, I'm so fascinated with the world. And again, I think it comes to um, when I was a young child, I was so exposed to so many different cultures that for me it's just so exciting to go and experience something different from what I am. And particularly for me, I'm completely fascinated with Japanese culture, but also the um, creativity in fashion and textile innovation. Um, So I'm just, yeah, and I feed off that because I just think it's superb and so considered. And that for me is really fascinating.
1: And what about other artists? Um, Are there any that come to mind that you find to be um, really uh, influential, evocative, Um, inspirational?
2: Uh, Kerry James Marshall, definitely. I love his titles. I love his subject matter, the way that he deals with it. And um, I just think he's an incredible painter. Um, William Kentridge, obviously, but I mean, you know, that's easy. Um... Yeah, Lebo Kanye, who's a young artist coming up in South Africa, I, I really enjoy her work. Uh, I like the way she includes sculptural elements in her photography, so um, to make it um, three-dimensional and, and richer, I really enjoy that. But um, a big influence early on in my career was actually the photographer Ellen Von Anworth. I loved her, the narratives, because when she did like her spread for Vogue, it wasn't just women posed in studios. She created a narrative, like the woman is on her honeymoon in Rome or whatever, and she's in these different situations. So I really enjoyed that a lot.
1: And um, so here we are at 154 Contemporary African Art Fair, and, you know, the the conversations that... I've been conducting at 154 over the past couple of years. I've I've spent a lot of time talking to the artists about their 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 work and the inspirations and influences behind it. But inevitably, you know, the conversation also has to sort of involve the idea of the commercial aspect of the art world, being at a fair, working with a gallery and all of those things. And I'm just I'm curious to sort of hear from you how has your career shifted and changed from a commercial standpoint in terms of having representation and how did you get representation to begin with? And I'm not sure if there are any artists here who are curious about that, Um, but I always find that um, it's always a different story for everyone. So how did that happen for you?
2: Well, um, Henri from Afronova, who's actually been representing me since my first show, we were friends. And um, at the time, I wanted to make a move from um, fashion retail to fine art, and I spoke to him about it, and I said, you know, I really think it's time for me because I need to do this thing that keeps me challenged all the time. But I wasn't really sure how to do it, so I kind of said, you know, I'm gonna make this body of work, and I'd like you to tell me what you think and just help me to find a way to get into, you know, the art world and become a, a productive artist. Um, so coincidentally, at the time he was opening a gallery. So, <laughs> so really, you know, I was working with a friend, and I was sharing my dream with him, and he helped me to achieve my dream.
1: Well, that's, I think that's wonderful, and and you know, if I take anything from that, and I and I talk to artists at all stages of their career, you know, some who are just kind of right out of school and others who've been at it for years. And there's still a lot of questions around, like, what, is, what are the ingredients to becoming a successful artist? I don't know. I mean, people ask me all the time, as if I know. I do not know. I just have assumptions. I have some evidence, not so empirical, but some evidence as to what it takes. But, um, you know, f- from what you just described, you basically approach someone with, an, with the idea that you wanted to become an artist. Right, yes, uh, yes. I'm sure that's much to the <laughs> chagrin of a lot of people who are already artists, and they're like, "Damn!" <laughs> um, but no, but it's but it's it's fascinating nonetheless. Um, and and what about um, building? You know, building a career. You know, I know that oftentimes getting a gallery to represent you is when the work begins. You know, I, I think a lot of artists are under the, con- you know, sort of misconception that, man, if I can just get a gallery to represent me, then I'm going to be fine. When I know from observation, that is not the case, because you have to work. There are all of these fairs, there are all of these demands that are put on you. I mean, how have you balanced that? You're a mother, and you're an artist, and, and there are other parents out here. There are men who are fathers, and they're artists, so um, it's not just a maternal or, or female thing, but in terms of balance, life balance for all of this, you know? How does that how does that work? Yeah. I mean, my kids are here. You see that? My, my yeah,
2: you're working. they're, they're right like now.
1: four Wimberleys here. Yeah.
2: Well, I think what it was for me is that there was a shift with maturity. So when I was younger, I was you know very focused on success, whatever that means. You know, being in all the right museums, collections, and and getting press in the right um, uh, magazines and so on. But as I got older, I realized that focusing on that actually took the pleasure away from you know, from my art, from the creativity. So I just arrived at a point where I said, look, I'm gonna do this for myself. And then my son came along and was like, okay, I don't have much time to do this anymore, so when I do it, when I have the time, it's definitely gonna be about me. It's going to be about my creative self-expression and just um, really being who I'm destined to be. So when I'm creating and whatever I choose to make and however many I choose to make really isn't about the, the art fairs, the gallery, or the press, or anything. It's about me as a person and showing my son what it is to live as a passionate human being with a purpose. So that's the point from which I make my work now.
1: And if someone were to ask you the question that I'm sure most artists hate to, to hear, someone asks you the question, well, what is your work about? <laughs> you know, and I find that to be a very strange question because work can be about so many different things, but I'm just gonna go ahead and ask you that. What is your work about?
2: It's about $10,000. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm that.
2: kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess my, my work is about life. It's about life experiences. It's about personal growth. It's about sharing the different um, stages. It's about documenting the important moments, which don't necessarily appear to be important, but they change us on the inside. So that's what my work's
1: about. <laughs> and I understand that. I mean, you know, not to put you on the spot, but I understand that the, the works that are here have sold. And and I think you um, you, you mentioned that J. P. Morgan Chase Collection acquired your work. So congratulations on that. Thank I you. I mean, very it's not much. your first like big deal, but it's a big deal. <laughs> you know. Um, and what are you what are you looking forward to? I mean, I know that you're probably looking forward to going home. Um, long flight. But what are you looking forward to professionally?
2: I'm just looking forward to, um, to basically being as honest as I can in what I do and, you know, for people to see that. Because, you know, I'll be honest, it's great to make it with me in mind, but there's nothing more affirming and empowering than to have people understand what you're doing and appreciating it. So, I mean, it just makes it fun. So, I would love to keep going like that, to make works that I enjoy making and to have people enjoying them as well. That's, that's my goal.
1: Are there places that you haven't shown your work that you would really love to have an opportunity to exhibit?
2: Um, Maybe Pompidou Center in Paris? I was privileged to finally show at the Studio Museum and that was like a huge highlight for me. And uh, obviously Guggenheim Bilbao is amazing. So yeah, there are a few places but I'm trying not to think about that so much because I do find it holds me back. Um, because then I start you know, creating obstacles in my mind which become creative blocks. So it's more like what's gonna surprise me, what's around the corner that I never even conceived of.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, actually, I think I mentioned this to you But I got you two gifts, so I got you the Vogue magazine because I know that you said that you couldn't find it. And then the other thing was, I know you mentioned that, and there's an Italian Vogue there too, because I know we were making a joke the other day about how you end up buying all of these magazines whenever you travel, and then you get to your suitcase and you're like, why won't my suitcase close? Because you're like bringing more stuff back than you than you than you came with. So anyway, yeah. that's that's my uh, parting gift for you. Thank you uh, so I wanna much. I want to open it up for <laughs> for questions as well. I know that um, there may be a couple, and uh, we have a few minutes if anyone has a question. I know someone has a question. Sure. I'm wondering how you um, choose the shape.
2: Of your works because they all seem to have sort of a bite taken out. I'm wondering what that, what significance that has for you. Uh, Well, the the choice is accidental. So like for this piece, I wanted to use a blue background and I didn't have much of it left because I'd use the rest of it on somewhere else. But I quite enjoyed the fact that it kind of looked like a crucifix. So I thought, you know, that was quite powerful. Um, But really what it is, you know, it started from an accident. So, you know, I had a square piece and I'd cut a piece off and I wanted to use all of it. And I considered cutting off the extra piece to keep it symmetrical. But I had so much to say and I was like, no, 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 I need that space. I needed to, like, say that extra bit. But then I just found that that worked because it brought the viewer back to the medium because some of my work has been quite painterly and then you can't really tell whether it's painting or, you know, collage. So, yeah, so I'm just interacting with the viewer, really, to get them to come and look a bit closer.
1: Sure.
0: Um, I know that you said that... um the work is about life and uh, the nuances in your life. And uh, I'm curious as to if there are um, threads between each piece you know, um, that create a type of storyline. And when you've exhibited them separately at different times, if when you rearrange a piece, uh, does whatever you're going through at that moment Um, influence which pieces that you show and the order that you show them in. And uh, if you've ever thought of the work that way.
2: Uh, Well, generally what happens is that the work that I show is something that I've just made in the studio. So it is usually quite fresh in that it's representing something that I'm either going through or that I just experienced and now I'm analyzing it and documenting it, so to speak, and sharing it. Um, Yeah, so the common thread is me, really, because it's about Billy's life.
1: (laughs) We have time for a couple more questions. Sure. Don't be shy. You guys are in Red Hook. You're all all far away from home, I guarantee it.
2: Um, So how do you compose your... How do you make the compositions? Do you start with a sketch or do you work more organically? Well, a- I usually start with, say, the experience or the emotion or the question or whatever it might be. And, um, and then I mull it over in my head for like a month or two. So I basically kind of do my drawings really in my head, because I found when I was studying that if I did too many sketches, the final piece was dead. So I realized that that's not my technique. And then what I will do after that is that I then put together my visual references and then I make one line drawing on newsprint, and that's the template that I use to cut. On so. newsprint? Yes. Newsprint is a very thin paper that they use for make uh, newspapers. <laughs> yeah, it's just that it's so easy to pin and cut, it's not too thick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started using it because it was so cheap, you know? At the beginning, it's all about the budget when you're a young artist. But I, I just enjoy it so much, I find it so easy to manipulate.
1: We have another question? Sure.
2: I wondered if um, you think that there's a distinction, if there is one, or, and if there is, if it's of importance, uh, between costume and fashion? No, I think it's pretty much the same, because you know I, I think we all use clothing to somehow disguise ourselves, or to have a little bit of fun with. Uh, Yes, I I would say that it's, you know, it's a gray area. It's, you know, (laughs) that...
1: I have a question. Do you still make the handbags?
2: No, I don't make them anymore. I made a few a few years ago, but I didn't finish them, so I I don't think I'm doing that.
1: (laughs) Do you never go back to that?
2: I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've been thinking about making clothing again, because I used to make my own clothes as well when I had you know, no money to buy clothes and I wanted to look amazing. And uh, yeah, I've been thinking about that as like a sculpture, but you know, I'm not, it's in my head still, I'm, in the, you know, I'm creating in my head, but at some point I'm hoping that it will become physical.
1: <laughs> Makes sense. We have any other questions? I see someone ready? Okay.
2: <laughs> well, I have a final word. Thank you, New York. It's been amazing. <laughs> I'm coming back.
1: Well, well, thank you all for being here today. And thank you, Billy, for this wonderful conversation. And thank here you Dexter. to 154. Mm-hmm.